we all love to hear a good rescue story, don't we? We all love to hear a great rescue story about how men reach out and save other men who are in difficult situations. The greater the difficulty, the greater the distance that the hero has to bridge, the greater the story is in our sight. When we hear stories about a rich man reaching out to a poor man, when we hear stories about kings reaching out to peasants, we acknowledge those as great stories because they have a redemptive nature to them that we know comes from Scripture. But what we read about in Mark's Gospel, at the end of Mark's Gospel in chapter 1, verses 38 to 45, actually, this, this story points us to the greatest rescue story of all. The distance between the men and this account is truly beyond any measure, humanly speaking. So if you would, please turn with me to Mark's Gospel, chapter 1 and verse 38, and let's read this great story about God's mercy this morning. In verse 38, we know that Jesus has came to this point where he's been praying alone after he had served faithfully in the synagogue and in the private home of Peter and all night long throughout this city touching the defiled and the outcasts. And then Peter comes to him and he says this in verse 38. He said to them, Let us go on to the next towns that I may preach there also, for that is why I came out. And he went throughout all Galilee preaching in their synagogues and casting out demons. And a leper came to him, imploring him and kneeling, said to him, If you will, you can make me clean. Moved with pity, he stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him, and he was made clean. And Jesus sternly charged him and sent him away at once and said to him, See that you say nothing to anyone, but go. Show yourself to the priest and offer for your cleansing what Moses commanded for a proof to them. But he went out and began to talk freely about it and to spread the news so that Jesus could no longer openly enter a town, but was out in desolate places, and people were coming to him from every quarter. Mark 1, 38-45 tells us that Jesus, the Son of God, came out to proclaim, to proclaim something great, a great story from God, God's good news. He came out to proclaim that God, God had reached down into the world and he had done so powerfully and he had done so personally through God the Son, Jesus Christ. That's what Jesus came out to proclaim. In Mark 1, 40-45, we, we get to overhear a story about how Jesus did that kind of proclamation, how he did it personally and how he did it powerfully. If you look at your outline, you can see that Mark's account begins with, This, number one, the cry of an outcast. We can see that in verse 40. And then then we hear not only the cry of an outcast, we also hear the compassionate answer of Christ in verses 41 to 42. 
And we hear, number three, the command of God in verses 43 to 44. And then, then we hear something even greater here in one sense, the compulsive confession of a cleansed worshiper in verse 45 as a result of Jesus' proclamation and his passion. In verses 40 to 45, what we, what we get to do is we get to overhear a personal conversation, a personal meeting that was taking place between Christ and an outcast. Now this should sound very familiar to you if you are a believer this morning because this is the conversation Jesus had with you also. What's interesting to me is when you read this account, you know in, in verse 39 that Jesus is going throughout Galilee, this Galilean region, and he's preaching, he's proclaiming the good news of God. And it's through the preaching that this man is drawn to Jesus. The news in Galilee came about Jesus preaching, and he was preaching with power, and he was preaching with compassion. And through that general call to salvation came someone effectually to Jesus, the leper, an outcast. The good news of hope came, and it was heard by the one who had ears to hear, and that one was an outcast in that society. Leprosy in Jesus' day was a hopeless condition. It was a condition that proved that you were incapable of healing yourself. It was a lonely condition. It was a death sentence in Christ's day, a lot like our spiritual condition before Christ touched us. Let me, let me read to you just a little information this morning about leprosy, so that you can understand the condition that this man is in when he hears about Jesus, about the one who had power and authority, and had this sort of great pity that was displayed in his labor all night long, touching the defiled. Look what this man had reason to come to Jesus for. Leprosy is called Hansen's disease. It's, it's not what you think when you see the movies and see the pictures. It's not a rotting skin infection. That is not leprosy. That is how it was identified in Jesus' day, but that's not the actual disease. That is the effect of what happens to someone with that disease later on. Leprosy is a disease that actually destroys the body's ability to feel pain. It causes numbness to the extremities, to the ears, to the eyes and nose. And the disfigurement and the rotting of the flesh, loss of fingers, toes, hands, and feet, results from injuries that cannot be felt. For instance, when you reach down to grab a pot out of a fire, they couldn't recognize that that pot was scalding hot and would burn their fingers. When they got a splinter in their foot, it would set up an infection. When they cut their finger, they didn't feel it. They would lop it off and an infection would set in. In Christ's day, the rotting flesh and the stench associated with leprosy could not be stopped. That stench and that rotting of the flesh actually did something even worse than just the simple decay of the body. It actually attracted bugs and vermin to devour the rotting flesh while they slept. And this condition did something else. I think it was even worse than that. This condition separated the diseased person from society, from family, and from religious worship. One man called this disease a painless hell. The disease would slowly affect the entire body. And the uncontrolled infections would slowly eat away the body one piece at a time. And the disease 
would remove all of man's compassion toward this diseased and defiled piece of rotting flesh. They didn't want to be around him. They didn't want to touch him due to fear of infection in this time. This, this man who said that this disease was a painless hell, I think he could have also said this. He, he should have said this. It was not just a painless hell physically. It was a lonely and emotional painful hell. It actually made you feel emotionally cut off from the world, hated, despised, an outcast. Lepers in Jesus' day were considered contagious, and they were considered cut off by God because they were in sin. They considered that a curse. The dread of infection would keep men aloof, and the law declared that the man was unclean. The law was given by God to protect, not necessarily against leprosy itself, but against the infections that would be passed from the leper to others through their infectious body parts. Now, if you can turn with me to Leviticus, I think you might get a glimpse from Scripture about the law that was given to us here. In Leviticus 13, we can see the command regarding lepers. Leviticus 13, 45. And this is important, again, because God gave this to protect the, the people of God in general. It was, it was given... By God, and here it's going to tell us that it was actually it was given in the Levitical law not to touch them because that could actually spread the other kinds of infections, okay? Verse 45, the leprous person who has the disease shall wear torn clothes and let the hair of his head hang loose, and he shall cover up his upper lip and cry out, unclean, unclean. He shall remain unclean as long as he has the disease. He is unclean. He shall live alone. His dwelling shall be outside the camp, outside of Israel. This man is cut off. This man is separated. This man is unclean. And imagine this man, every time he had to walk near a crowd, imagine the degradation. Imagine the loneliness that he felt, even with the people that he grew up with. When he walked into an area and he saw others and he had to step up and say, I'm filthy. I'm filthy. And just imagine if you had to do that every time you walked into a place and people could see your unclean heart. How would you feel? I think you would probably feel alone and separated. Now, the the, the touching part of this story in Mark's gospel is that the defiled is transformed by the touch of the Holy One. He was willing to come into the world and take our defilement to make us holy at His incarnation. And that's really what we see as a type, if you will, in this story of Christ and the outcast. We see Jesus willing to embrace our defilement to make us clean. The Levitical law was clear here. It was, it was to make sure that people wouldn't touch this man, that he would be set apart. And I think leprosy, in one sense, gave us a great picture of what all men were like internally. We are set apart from God due to our sin and defilement, and it rots away at us internally. And leprosy, I think, pictured that outwardly. And it's a good reminder of that for us today. But unlike the people in Jesus' day, we don't want to take the law and go further with it than what God did. 
In other words, we don't want to look at people just as their, at their outward circumstance and their outward condition and think, well, that probably is a person who's sinful. And so I need to, I need, because they're, they're defiled looking, I obviously need to give them the gospel just because they're defiled looking. Listen, we can't, we can't see the defilement that's really going on inside of a person. There were rabbis who fell into this constantly. They would take the law that was given and they would add regulations to it to make themselves look superior and to actually think that they're being a greater judge of people than God was. They added many regulations to God's law regarding lepers. Here's, here's a couple of them. They said, if a leper stuck his head into your house, your whole house is now unclean. Scripture didn't say that. God didn't say that. They said, they said not only that, not only is your house unclean, but if you see the dude walking down the street and you say, hello, friend, that greeting actually was illegal. You can't even speak to the leper. That was another one of the regulations. Matter of fact, they would say, you have to stay 100 cubits away from this man. Scripture doesn't say that. But they were good at judging the externals and yet not recognizing their own leprosy within. We have to be careful of that too. Because what happens when we do that, we tend to push people away. We tend to make people feel like we would never touch them, never embrace them. And we're doing so because we're judging their external appearance. We need to recognize that there's something decaying in every one of us apart from God's touch. We need to reach out to all men and not reject anyone. But these men in Jesus' day, these lepers were rejected. They were separated. Mark 1.40 makes it clear that this man was living like a man without hope in this world until he heard the story of Jesus. Until he heard about this one who could touch sinners and make them clean. Until then, he was literally living like a walking dead man. He was an outcast in his own city, in his own family. He was separated from his family. He was separated from the people of God, and he was separated from temple worship. This would have been horrible to the Jew. He would have been in a constant need of mercy, and yet he could find mercy nowhere in Israel. He was treated as defiled, rejected, would not even be spoken to. And so what's so astounding is when he comes to Jesus, he's not doubting that Jesus could heal him. He just is amazed that anybody would even think about healing him. What this man needed was someone who was powerful enough to heal him, able to heal his sickness. And yet to do that, he needed to know that he could come to that person Personally, he needed to know that that person not only had the ability to heal, but had the compassion to come near. That wasn't even acceptable in that culture. But with Jesus, he found someone who was both able and willing to heal and come near him, even in his defiled condition. Jesus bridges the greatest gap for all sinners by coming to us. Not just to us, but even embracing us as we see will happen here with this man. This is the greatest story of all. The distance that Jesus would bridge to come into this world to touch us is greater than this. He would leave heaven's glory, become a man, live among us a righteous and perfect life, and that on that cross, all of our filth, all of our leprosy spiritually was placed upon the Holy One. He embraced our curse and became a curse for us so that we could be cleansed and made righteous in His sight, cloaked in His perfect, pure robe of righteousness. 
So I think that's what we see going on in this great story in Mark chapter 1. Now let's listen to how the conversation really begins between Christ and the outcast here in Mark 1.40. Mark 1.40 it says, And a leper came to him. Now again, remember, he had heard the general call. He had heard about this good news that comes through Jesus. So he hears this, and he comes to him. Well, honestly, we all know this. He's coming because God's drawing. And he's drawing through the good news of Jesus. And a leper came to him, imploring him, and kneeling, said to him, If you will, you can make me clean. The man comes. The man is coming to him on his knees, begging him. He is coming to him in faith, saying, If you will, you can make me clean. Notice he's not saying that he's coming to Jesus based on his own ability to cleanse himself. He's coming because he cannot cleanse himself. He is coming because he needs divine mercy. He needs a supernatural transformation. He recognizes it's not his will that can change him. It is only the will of the sovereign one, Jesus. The one who had power, authority, and pity in this story. And I want us to remember that. When we talk about God and his sovereignty, we need to recognize he is a sovereign authority. He is a sovereign king, but he is a king like no other. Because he is holy and transcendent, yet he is eminent, and he is close to the brokenhearted and those who weep over their spiritual condition. And he comes near us, and he touches us in Jesus. So what we hear going on, I think, in Mark 140 is this. We hear, number one, the cry of an outcast for mercy. God loves that cry. God puts that cry in us. Notice the posture that this man has when he comes to Jesus. He is down. He is begging and bowing for mercy at the feet of Jesus. He's imploring him as an outcast. He is submitted and he is desperate. He is coming to the one and the only one who can make him right and cleanse him. He is coming as a humbled person in light of this glorious one who stood before him. He is confessing his inability and he is cast on God's mercy. That's what we see happening here. This is a picture of salvation, if you will. Men and women do not come to God until they recognize their inability, until they recognize their sin. God opens their eyes to see their inability. Therefore, they will now trust in his ability. They will turn in faith to him. They will trust in his mercy. They bring nothing but their sin. They can't make themselves right. How can a sinner make himself clean when everything he uses is defiled by his own hands, just as this leper was? I was reading a story this week about Francis Schaeffer. And Francis Schaeffer was asked a, a simple question about if he had an, opportun- an opportunity to speak an hour to someone about Jesus, what would he say? And Francis said basically something like this. He said, if I had an hour to speak to someone about Jesus, here's what I would do. I would spend 45 minutes talking to them about the bad news and 15 minutes about the good news. I would make sure they understood why this news is so good that they are defiled, separated, and rejected apart from God's mercy in which you will be accepted. You will be washed. You will be made right and cleansed eternally. Well, this leper didn't need the reminder 
The leper walked around with the reminder all day long. And oh, that men and women would do that today. Oh, that men and women would actually recognize the condition of their own sinful hearts, the leprosy that's eating away internally in them, and that they would come to God like that and say, I need cleansing. And if you're willing, I know you're able. You can make me clean. The leper knew his condition was bad. So the outcast comes begging and believing, throwing himself on God's mercy. This this leper, I think, in this passage is simply expressing his belief in Jesus' ability to heal him. And, And notice that not just heal him, he wants to be healed, but he wants to be healed so that he can be declared clean, so he can be restored back into fellowship with God's people and with God himself in the temple in worship. He wants a declaration to be made about his sinful condition. And don't you want that too? That declaration came through the doctrine of justification where God declares the sinner made right in the blood of his son, Jesus Christ, by faith in him alone, not by our works. This man had no works to bring to Jesus, only defiled hands. They were unclean. He comes as a beggar and he walks away rich in Christ. In verse 40b there, the last part, he says, if you will, you can make me clean. It's an affirmation, an act of trust he's exhibiting here. He believed that Jesus could heal him, but he just didn't know if Jesus would be willing to do so because of his defiled condition. And here's the good news. God loves to save the defiled. And he learned that that day. And we should learn that here in this text. Aren't you glad that Jesus came and bridged the gap between God and man and actually reached out and embraced the defiled when he came to you and opened your heart to see your sin? He, he didn't just say, you're a sinner, you need to do something. No, he says, you're a sinner, you're defiled, you're incapable of doing anything. Come here, you're mine. I'm going to take you into myself. I'm going to take your curse on the cross and I'm going to give you what you don't deserve, which is my grace and my love for all eternity. That's what Christ does to outcasts. He calls them children. He makes them his own. And, and just let's look at, look at how the, the outcast, look at how the outcast is affected by what Jesus does. Listen, listen to how Jesus responds to this outcast cry for mercy in Mark 142. This is a phenomenal passage. You see the humanity and the divinity of Jesus combined in this one text. You see the sovereign power of God and you see the human compassion of Christ united in this hypostatic union that is just Phenomenal. Moved internally, moved emotionally, moved with pity, he stretched out his hand and touched him and said, I will be clean. We hear in this passage and see in this passage the compassionate answer of Christ to every outcast who comes to him, admitting their sin, confessing their need of his touch. Mark emphasizes that Jesus cleanses this man, cleanses him not just out of sovereign power, but out of divine and human compassion for this man, out of love. He is moved with pity, moved in his inner beings, moved in his bowels emotionally. That's what this means here. 
He was moved internally out of love, and then he moved physically toward that outcast and embraced him. This is, this is so not right in the culture. The culture says you can't even get near the man. You can't even greet the man. And Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him. He reaches out to the defiled, and he grabs them. The word touched in the Greek here means to attach oneself to. This isn't just reaching out and touching him. You're, you're well. You're healed. Be gone now. No. What's he do? He, he literally stretches out his arms, it says. He attached himself. He embraced this man willingly and compassionately as the sovereign one, as the mediator, as our substitute. In a sense, pulling that man into himself, holding him near his heart, saying, I will become what you are so that you can become what I am. You can be made clean. And he absorbs that man into himself. Just imagine this man. If this, if this disease... This man was an adult man. This disease had been rotting away at him his whole adult life. This man had not felt a human touch in years. It could be decades. And the first human touch he feels comes with divine power. Jesus hugs him, attaches himself to him, Jesus passionately stretched out his omnipotent hand and embraced the defiled sinner and made him clean. That is what he does to you and I when he saves you from your sin also. Don't let that escape you. Jesus touches lepers. He embraces them. He grips them. And he did that for you and I when he came into this world and became our substitute and then opened our eyes to our defilement and he reached out in grace and his Holy Spirit regenerated us and he called us to himself. This is our testimony we see reflected in the outcast that is cleansed by Jesus. Jesus leaned over this defiled pile of of rotting flesh. And he laid his undefiled, holy hand on this man. And he did so to show forth God's good news toward sinners, toward outcasts. He did so to show God's mercy and love. And that's what he did for you and I when he saved us. Mark 1.42 tells us, that we can even see what Jesus did. We see that Christ powerfully cleansed this outcast, and he did so out of pity. Verse 42 says, And immediately after Jesus has compassion on him, and that compassion leads to an embracing, after that happens, it says, Immediately the leprosy left him, and he was made clean. This man had no spots, no sign of leprosy left in his body. And folks, that's what happens to you when he saves you spiritually. There is no sign of sin. You are made clean. You are made righteous in his eyes. That's what happened when he embraced you. He declared you righteous. He made you clean. Jesus' divine compassion here answered this man's cry for help. It's his compassion that answers all who cry out to him in faith, believing that Jesus can make them clean. It's through that compassion, through that mercy alone, through faith in Jesus' compassion, Jesus' mercy, that we are made right with God. The leper, just think about this, the leper constantly 
unceasingly, every time he went someplace, confessed his defilement. Every time he entered a city, because of what the law said, every time he entered a city, he walks in saying, unclean, unclean. And that law could never change his condition. It only identified his leprosy, his problem. But it couldn't remove it. And folks, that's what the law of God does for us too. When you're presenting the gospel, it is not to pound people down and say, this is how you're going to be made right. You've got to keep these laws. No. The law identifies the problem so that in that identification, they can see there is only hope in the sovereign one, only in God's mercy. The law here was powerless to cleanse the leper, either spiritually or physically. But, but what the law couldn't do, Jesus did. What the law couldn't do for spiritual lepers like us, Jesus did on our behalf. Romans 8, 3. Romans 8, 3 states this. What the law couldn't do, Jesus accomplished. What the law couldn't do for that leper was cleanse him, make him right. He could only identify his problem. And that's all the law can do for us, but it will point us to the one who can solve the problem. 8, 3 says, For God has done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin. He condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh but according to the spirit. Jesus came and fulfilled what we could not fulfill. Jesus came and actually walked out the obedience that's required of us and then imputed to us his righteousness so that we could be made clean in God's sight. And he did that by becoming like us in every way except without sin. When Jesus took on flesh, when he became incarnate, he, in a sense, was stretching out his hands on that cross to cleanse lepers like us to cleanse us, to cleanse all who would trust in him. Jesus embraced our curse on the cross. There he also cleansed us, and there he also restored us passionately out of his great mercy. Your salvation was personal, passionate, and God-exalting mercy that came to you through Jesus' embracing touch, through his incarnation. That causes me to rejoice this morning. That causes me to feel weak this morning, to stand before you because I am with this leper. And then at the same time, I am rejoicing because I have been made clean like this leper. And I can stand before you saying, I know this story well. This is my story. I was the outcast, embraced by Jesus, made clean by his righteous touch. And it was personal. And it was done out of God's mercy toward me, a sinner, and toward all who trust in him. In Mark 1, 43 to 44, we hear something interesting going on there. We hear Jesus give the command of God. And that command actually is meant to point to his mercy, to God's mercy. It is actually a command that is to testify to God's mercy that would come through the Messiah's work. The Messiah would be the one who comes and restores all things, including those who are defiled. There in verse 43, it says, And Jesus sternly charged him and sent him away at once after he had embraced him and healed him. He sternly charged him and sent him away at once and said to him, See that you say nothing to anyone, but go, show yourself to the priest, 
and offer for your cleansing what Moses commanded for a proof, for a proof to them. Jesus commanded in verse 44 what basically God had said in his law in Leviticus 14. Go, go there with me. In Leviticus 14, what we see is the law of God given to the person who is healed from leprosy, what they are to do. Now, I think what this is, why this is interesting to me in this passage in Mark is that we can see something here about Jesus' nature. This command that he gives to this cleansed leper shows that Jesus never contradicted the law, even when he actually did the miraculous. No, he didn't contradict it. He fulfilled all the requirements himself perfectly. Can't say that about the man in the story, but Jesus did it even for him. He did what was right. Leviticus 14 said, here's what was supposed to happen once you've been made, made clean in one sense physically. The Lord spoke to Moses saying, this shall be the law of the leprous person. For the day of his cleansing, he shall be brought to the priest. And the priest shall go out of the camp, and the priest shall look. Then in the case of the leprous disease, if the leprous disease, I'm sorry, then if the case of leprous disease is healed in the leprous person, the priest shall command them to take for him who is to be cleansed two live clean birds and cedar wood and scarlet yarn and hyssop. And the priest shall command them to kill one of the birds in an earthenware vessel over fresh water. He shall take the live bird with the cedar wood and the scarlet yarn and the hyssop and dip them and the live bird in the blood of the bird that was killed over the fresh water. And he shall sprinkle it seven times on him who is to be cleansed of the leprous disease. Then he shall pronounce him clean and shall let the living bird go into the open field. The leper here is being commanded to obey what is outlined there in Leviticus 14. He was commanded by Jesus to go up to the temple and show himself to the priest and bring the offering that Moses commanded here in Leviticus 14. Now, Jesus commands him to do this really as a testimony, as a testimony to the priest to show them that his own actions, Jesus' actions, were testifying to what the Messiah would do and would testify to his supernatural authority. And if, if this man in the story here, this cleansed leper, if, if the man had went through the process, here's what would have happened. The priest, by their own mouth, would have to confess that this man was cured. And then they would do what's just natural. They would say, how did this happen? Then Jesus' praise could have been shouted from the temple. He, he could have told them, Jesus did this. In other words, the one who did this was not just a man. He was the man who went through the city, through Galilee, through these regions, healing the defiled, restoring those who were ill, reviving the dead. This would affirm that Jesus was the Messiah had he done this. Okay? But, obviously in the story of Mark's gospel, this man couldn't keep quiet about the good news of Jesus, could he? He couldn't be quiet about the good news he had just received. And there's this, this beautiful irony here in this, in this text. He shouldn't have done this, but I can't blame him for doing this. Everywhere this man had ever went, he'd said, uh, unclean, unclean. Now he's walking away from Jesus going, I'm clean, I'm clean. I mean, can you blame the man? It had consequences. 
It actually prevented Jesus from being able to go back openly into the region and minister like he ought to. But I can see why this man had a compulsive desire to confess Christ with joy in his heart. He was a cleansed worshiper. That's the fourth thing that we see in Mark 1.45, or here. We, we hear the compulsive confession of a cleansed worshiper. But he went out and began to talk freely about it and to spread the news so that Jesus could no longer openly enter a town, but was out in desolate places, and people were coming to him from every quarter. Again, there's, there's no excuse for his disobedience. But undoubtedly, if you were in his place, it would have been hard Would it not have been hard to control your compulsive joy for what you had just experienced by the hands of Jesus? When Jesus touched this man, everything in this man's life changed immediately. He was healed. He was restored back to his family. He was restored back to his people. He was restored back to fellowship with God. He could enter the temple. He could now enter into those cities where he would cry unclean and say, I am clean by the hand of Jesus. I have been made clean. And church, that is what cleansed people love to confess with joy. If you have been cleansed by the touch of Jesus, this should be your joyful confession. You should understand this compulsiveness to profess Christ and his power. We were all spiritually unclean. We were all spiritual lepers. But God in his great mercy, his rich mercy, embraced us in Jesus. And he cleansed us in Jesus' own righteous, perfect, and pure blood. And he made us clean as white as snow. It's hard to keep that inside, isn't it? It's hard to keep that confession bottled up. And aren't you glad? Aren't you glad we don't have the command of the the cleansed leper here? Aren't you glad we're not commanded to wait and go tell everybody at church? Aren't you glad that we've actually got a different command? We have a command that says, no, 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 don't wait. Go into the world and proclaim that Jesus receives sinners and transforms them by his mercy and great grace through his touch, through his work that he accomplished. By trusting in him alone, sinners are made right in God's sight. God the Son. God the Son cleansed us. Just think about this. God the Son, Jesus the Messiah, the Lord of glory, he cleansed us by embracing our defilement when he incarnated himself on this earth. When he's on the cross, all of our defilement is laid on him. And at the same time, God's righteous wrath is poured out on those sins we have committed against a holy and righteous God. And Jesus absorbs the wrath completely. And he says, it is finished. It is filled up. I have done it all. I have embraced it. Now, Father, embrace them. They are yours. They've been restored. They've been brought home by my blood. Their sins are removed as far as the east is from the west. Their defilement is gone forever. And this church, church, this is the greatest story of them all. Because it required the one who traveled the greatest distance to embrace us, to save us. The hero is Jesus here. He is our redeemer and he is our compassionate redeemer. He is our substitute. He is our righteous substitute. And he is our He is our hope today. 
when we go out and profess this truth to others, no matter what condition they're in, no matter what kind of spiritual leprosy they're living in, they can be cleansed. They can be cleansed by trusting in Jesus and confessing that their sins have separated them from a holy and righteous God, that, that they know, though, that Jesus himself can actually, actually cause that separation to be brought back together, restored. Jesus' embrace of us as Christians should really be what motivates us to reach out with mercy to others. It should help us to recognize when we look out and see people who feel hopeless and cast out that we can tell them there is hope for the outcasts. There is hope for people like us. There is hope according to Mark's story and our own testimony that that God himself, God the Son, is willing to embrace lepers like us. God the Son is willing to take our curse. God the Son is willing to give us his righteousness personally. He is willing to cleanse us totally, completely, eternally, and give us a home in glory that he has prepared for us before the foundation of the world through his sacrifice. I think we believe that. I know we believe that here as a church. And and here's our challenge this morning. If we're going to proclaim that message, we as a church individually must be willing to incarnate that message, Jesus' message. And we incarnate that by embracing those who feel like outcasts. In church, that means physically. Not just how you're doing superficially, but embracing them completely. Reaching out to them physically, taking care of their needs, and directing them to the one who can take care of their spiritual needs. Embracing them in love to confront their sin and tell them there is only one thing they can do to have that sin removed, and that is to trust in Jesus. We must embrace them with that kind of love that we will not back away from the truth, but we will point them in their spiritually leprous condition to the healer who can actually cleanse them. And church, to do that, we do have to present to them the bad news of their condition. That requires personal interaction to talk to this person and plead with this person that they can have their sins forgiven if they but would confess and repent of those sins and trust in the one who would cleanse them of all unrighteousness. We show them that in the way we embrace them, the way we pursue them. We go out, we proclaim the message of Jesus. Jesus brings the defiled to us so we can incarnate the message by embracing them and confessing that there is hope in this one named Jesus Christ, the cleanser of outcasts. So I pray this morning, the story, this great story of God's love and mercy in Mark 1, I pray that this would move us mentally, spiritually, emotionally, and move us into action practically as we incarnate the gospel throughout this coming week, through the Easter season that's coming, and through the interaction with those who come here on Sunday or Wednesdays. Pray that God will give you this opportunity to embrace someone in need of his cleansing this week. Let's pray and ask him to do that right now. Father God, we know that you have brought us this great cleansing for a purpose. 
We know, Jesus, that you came into this world to be our propitiation, to transform our spiritual condition, and to transform us practically as your ambassadors, as your witnesses, as your disciples. And I pray, Lord God, that this story of your great mercy, your reaching out to outcasts, would actually move us as a church practically to reach out to the downcast, to the rejects, to those who feel separated because of whatever's going on in their life, those who think that they could not come to you. Let us go to them and tell them there is a hope that they can have in the Redeemer. Because he became like us to embrace our sin, to grant us his righteousness, and to promise us eternal life if we would repent and trust in what he has done. And I pray, Lord, you would be glorified in that. I pray you would edify your church today through Mark. And I pray that your name would be exalted in our hearts as we worship you throughout this week. In Jesus' name, amen.